Welcome to Falling for Jesus. I'm Isabel. Every week at Falling for Jesus, we will be diving into a chapter of Scripture and breaking down the Bible to learn more of our God and falling in love with Jesus. For points of reference, I will be reading the New Living Translation version of the Bible. Join me in using your Bible or click to the YouTube link where the podcast will be posted with follow-along text to read the word as we go along. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your glory, for your love. Teach us how to answer our call to you every day. May every day be a renewal of answering our call of discipleship to be with you and to choose to learn more from you, God, and to grow in our faith and in our trust within you. I pray, Lord, that if we ever stray from a path that you have enlightened us on, Lord, may you redirect us and may you give us grace, gentleness, and love to be able to go on the narrow way as you have taught us to do so. And let's pray the prayer Jesus taught us to our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of Falling for Jesus. Thank you for coming back this week and wanting to dive into God's word once more. Today we are going to be reading Genesis 12. We are going to be talking about what it is to answer our call to the Lord and how important it is to answer that call to the Lord. We are also going to talk about um, Abraham and Sarai going to Egypt and all the crazy things that fall out when Abraham goes into Egypt. So it goes like this. Genesis 12, the call of Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There, he set up camp beside the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord, who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country, with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Abram and Sarai in Egypt At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt. 
where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Well, what a beautiful reading we had for today. I will say in all honesty, this is one of my favorite readings. This one and Abraham's whole cycle. I know right now he's called Abram because that was his name initially. And then God changes it in one of the later chapters. Um, We see God change his name to Abraham. Um, But yes, his whole cycle and his whole life is such a lesson and a beautiful testament to following God in obedience and renewing your hope and faith in the Lord continuously, even when we're not getting the things that we want. So it makes us see how the building of relationship with God is done, how it's done with persistently seeking his presence, consistently wanting to see his grace and always trying to learn from him and being guided on our journeys with him so in this story we are called to the lord when we are called it is of utmost importance that we are obedient to do what the lord has asked us to do for example this here podcast group corner of the internet is my call for a long time now in six to seven occasions people have always told me wow isabel you have a gift in speaking about god to people maybe you should use that somehow naturally so every time that came up i would either shy away from it or downplay it like nah i don't or i don't really have a gift or just like tuck the whole thought and idea behind my mind i would subconsciously lean into my other well-developed gifts like my dancing, singing, songwriting, and acting. Pursuing those gifts made my other gift go in the back burner because I never had the time to sit and crack my Bible open and really analyze what this gift people said I had was. To be honest, I remember talking to one of my good friends, Tati, and feeling so downcast because I was like, 
Tati, sis, I don't feel like I can hear God anymore. You know, mind you, at this point, I had bought my Bible and I was just carrying it around with me everywhere the whole time, every day at school and everywhere I went. And Tati says, well, girl, have you been reading your Bible? And I was like, well, I carry it around with me all the time because I want to find time to read it, but I don't find the time. To which she replied, well, you need to open it. That's where God speaks to us. And I was like, you right you right. So since that moment on, I have tried my best to make it a habit to dive into the word and see what nuggets of gold God is trying to teach me. And in that, he continuously helps me to grow more in learning how to love, forgive, and understand who he is. Now, this call was difficult to step out in because of one, fear. I was fearful of what people would say of me stepping out so boldly in my faith. I think at the conception stages of my idea, I was more fearful of that than of letting God down because I was letting the enemy tell me that I was inadequate. Number two, I did not think I was ready for such a big task. I remember praying, Lord, am I ready? Me of so little faith, will I be able to carry the weight of what you're asking me to do? And, you know, this task here of reading the word, researching it, being in prayer and all the processes that it takes to even utter a word is something I take seriously because not only am I speaking out of my own volition, I am representing Jesus in the hopes that you all will feel his grace, presence and love when you come to this corner of the Internet. And it is not in my intention ever to lead someone astray or damage their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we need to be like Abram was here. The Lord says to Abram in Genesis 12, 1, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, a.k.a. leave the comfort of what you know. God is urging Abram to step out into something new, to leave all he knows behind, and to pick up his things and family and follow him. In this, we see Abram's obedience to the call and answering faithfully to the will of the Lord. Now, through this act, Abram gets to receive several blessings for it. It says in Genesis 12, verses 2 to 3, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This blessing that Abram receives is not only a blessing that extends to him, it is a blessing that extends to all of his descendants and humanity. This blessing is God's opening up another way for mankind to be close to him once more. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed the pattern of salvation history at this point, but it kind of goes like this. God makes Adam and Adam falls, so humanity falls. God blesses Noah to bring us back to God. Noah falls and then separation of man at the Tower of Babel. Then God blesses Abram and as we go along in the chapter, you will see what happens to him. I'm not giving any spoilers yet. Yet, in this pattern, we see how though we fall, God is continuously making a way for us to be reconnected to Him. In essence, that is what Jesus did. Jesus paying with His flesh and blood on the cross for our transgressions and blood 
He becomes the sacrificial lamb, and through Jesus, he became the way we could get to the Father. Now, Abram being blessed also shows us that when we do what the Lord has asked us to do, not only are we blessed, but the people around us get to celebrate and enjoy in the blessing as well. Like it says in Genesis 12, verse 5. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. All those persons who left with Abram will then become witnesses to the blessing Abram is receiving and also benefit from the blessing he has been promised. For example, before this podcast was formed, I had decided that I needed practice. And the only way to practice something like this is to do it. So my brother and his girlfriend, another couple we know, and my other brother joined on to form a Bible study group. They trusted me and asked me to form a Bible study group and to let me say what the Spirit had moved me to say. And in doing the Bible study, I have learned from them. They, I hope, have learned something from me. And each time we meet, we are in awe of how God has been moving in our lives individually. Meeting together has made a support group of sorts so that when we feel like we are falling by the wayside, we have our group to come to for guidance and even a simple prayer that may soothe our hearts. In essence, each person of the group has become blessed in a way, shape, or form. Not because of anything special I have done because I can't do much of anything, but because we have been diving into the word of God continuously and that has been nourishing us and carrying us throughout this season. So moving along, we then see Abraham go to the land of Canaan. The land of the Canaanites comes from Canaan, the son of Haran, Haran being the son of Noah. As Abram goes into this land, the Lord promises this land to him, and Abram builds an altar there and dedicates it to God. Then the word says that Abram traveled once more to Bethel, to the west, and I to the east. Once Abram was there, he also built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. I love seeing this within the Bible because it teaches me to constantly worship the Lord our God in every step of the journey. I move to the left, I'm going to worship my God. I move to the right, I'm going to worship my God. It reminds me of the song, When I Move You Move by Ludacris. It goes like this for those who don't know it. When I move you move, just like that. When I move you move just like that and that's how we are invited to be with God when he says depart we depart when he says get up we get up when he says now pause we pause and we wait for the next direction now we see Abram and his wife going to Egypt because a famine strikes the land of Canaan and before they step foot into Canaan we see Abram telling his wife in verses 11 to 13 of this chapter. He says, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. 
When I read this, I instantly thought of the little white lies. The little white lies we say in order to protect ourselves, yet they're really the lies we say in fear of what's to come. Abram was fearful that they would kill him because Sarai was so beautiful, but he knew that if he said he was her brother, they would treat him well. And doesn't that sound like us? We do say we do things or we say things to make sure that people will treat us well. Before this chapter, we see Abram walking faithfully with the Lord, building temples for our God, yet in this moment of fear like it happens for us all, he leans onto his own understanding, which I have come to learn that my own understanding is so unaware of what God is truly doing in my life. When we are in fear of losing something, more times than not, we lose that which we fear losing. And I'm going to say it again for the people in the back who didn't hear it the first time. Okay, because this happens to me and I gotta, I gotta remind it to myself too. When we are in fear of losing something, more times than not, we lose that which we fear losing. So let's paint the picture. How does Sarai go from being Abram's wife, then being Abram's alleged sister, to the Pharaoh's wife? My guess is like the Bible says, they got to Egypt, they were well received, and because Sarai was drop dead gorgeous, men wanted to wine and dine Abram and his clan because they wanted to seek favor with them in order to get to Sarai. And to the point that the beauty of this woman becomes so known that even the Pharaoh has begun to notice her and desire her. For it says in Genesis 12 verse 15, when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Let me repeat that. The Pharaoh, meaning this woman was so gorgeous, all the men in Egypt had to be talking about her for the Pharaoh to catch wind of this. At this point of the game, Abram and Sarai have lived in this life for so long, they must have felt like if they said anything to undo what they originally said, the Pharaoh would have had their heads. Just imagine the moment Sarai must have been proposed to and she goes to her husband, Abram, like, babe, what do I do? And Abram must have been like, well, say yes. We have passed the point of no return at this point. So Abram gives his wife to Pharaoh. And because of that, he is gifted with many gifts by the Pharaoh. This deceit snowballs, causing a ripple effect in their life. And then in turn, because Sarai becomes the Pharaoh's wife, the Lord sends plagues upon the Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai. So the Pharaoh, realizing this, summons Abram. Genesis 12 verses 18 to 19 it says so Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply what have you done to me he demanded why didn't you tell me she was your wife why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife now then here is your wife take her and get out of here now this teaches us that the same way when God blesses you, it blesses everyone. That's the same way as when you step out in sin, it causes ripple effects. It unawarely releases chaos all around you. Just like the way they were all blessed in the beginning of the chapter, they then all suffered at the latter half. The family of Pharaoh is riddled with plagues. Abraham is stayed left, probably suffering because he is no longer with his wife. His whole clan is looking at him like, Abram, what are you going to do? 
that's your wife up there, getting married to the pharaoh. And Abram at the time must have been thinking, this is the price I pay for my deceit and I'll no longer be, and I'll no longer be with my love. Now, I don't know if this is just me, but this sounds like a whole Jerry Springer episode. This is the fall of Abram. Now, God undoes all that was done here by sending the plagues to the Pharaoh's household to ensure that Sarai and Abram would leave Egypt because being there under this predicament, they were not going to be able to fulfill what the Lord had intended for them. This is also a lesson for us that when in life, when our foundation is being shaken, the Lord is cooking up a way for us to reset and do the right thing. Pharaoh tells Abram, leave with your wife. You should have told me. Now go. And in this whole ordeal, we see how though Abram was blessed, he had some flaws. Like we all have flaws. My mentor Michael was sharing with me that though people's names are in the Bible, it doesn't diminish the fact that they were flawed. He told me that a saint is not the person who is perfect. It is a person who, regardless of their falls, keeps trying continuously to seek the Lord and follow him. We see a great example of this in Peter. He was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He becomes the pillar of the church when it's founded after Jesus' resurrection. And he was so close to Jesus in his life. Now let's read a bit of what that was like. In Matthew 26, chapter 26, verses 31 to 35, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. And now let's read his denial. It's in the same chapter, but verses 69 to 75. Peter denies Jesus. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. 
I placed the two stories to parallel each other because though we may feel like we are close to God or far away from God, we need to understand that falling is something we all have done, no matter what or where it has been. Yet even though Peter denies the Lord, he gets back up and becomes the rock, the foundation of the church, and Abraham becomes the blessed father from which the old prophets come that prophesy and get the city of God ready to receive Jesus. You see, they fell, but they got up once more. For remember in Proverbs 24, verse 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. This week, as we walk with Jesus, may we ask him to give us the renewing desire to get back up again. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard. But even through those moments, he is still holding our hands, guiding our feet, redirecting our eyes, and opening our hearts slightly more each and each and each time for he is always with us and he will not leave us alone. Now for the closing prayer, we will say the prayer by Thomas Merton again that we had said previously last week and it goes like this. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you, and I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire, and I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Thank you for joining me this week on Falling for Jesus. Subscribe to the podcast, YouTube page, and follow us on Instagram to be updated for more. Links will be posted on the description box. God bless and keep on falling for Jesus.